You're tuned in to KCIA Radio, CalArts' student-run freeform radio station. Due to the government restrictions related to the COVID-19 outbreak, KCIA's broadcast studio is no longer accessible. What you are hearing is a remote broadcast from one of our DJs. As a student-run, non-commercial radio station, KCIA supports the free expression of ideas. The opinions expressed are those of the speakers or artists only and do not necessarily reflect the views of KCIA management, staff, or CalArts. Please direct your comments to kcia at alum.calarts.edu. Payne, Magic Lantern Show. Welcome, welcome to the Magic Lantern Show on the radio. Listen, we have... No time to talk about how we are, or the pleasantries and all that. We've got to go right into our guest this evening, because there is just so much to talk about. Uh, I'm very excited about this conversation. So, my guest tonight is an artist, performer, musician, and is one of the first people that I actually met at CalArts, and they are just one of the nicest, smartest people uh, and I think I think you're going to really love the conversation that we're about to have. Without further ado, Caleb Craig. Oh my goodness. Thank you. That was so, so nice. <laughs> Thanks for getting my pronouns right, too. That's, that's cool. Oh, yeah. No problem. No problem. So, hi. How are you? I'm good. You know, I am um, in quarantine, so. Yeah. <laughs> that's fun. Yeah. Well, talk to us about you're, you're an artist, you're a musician, you're a performer. Uh, your work, which I've seen some of, deconstructs a lot of different things. But talk, tell us a little bit about the work that you're doing and the work that you're working on right now. Okay, so I feel like um, in re- in relation to like music, I have to talk about my past with music. So I think it's it's always been a part of my life. Um, my mom was a musical theater actress, and I was pretty obsessed with her. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> Like she had this book of um, pictures from all of her um, performances. Like every time that she had a role, she had like her headshots or pictures from the actual play. And she had this sort of library of songs that she um, either like loved growing up or that she actually like performed mm-hmm. and sort of grew um, connected to and like what was, like a library sorry a library of of like show tunes or like you know a lot of them were show tunes um particularly she was obsessed with torch songs um she'd been trained um classically in piano and music from an like i think like maybe her teenage years on mm-hmm. um by like an italian musician um his name is mr marion marinelle which was like a um, an Americanization of Marianelli, mm-hmm. and he actually like was a songwriter in like the '40s, and he wrote torch songs, which are generally these like 
world weary um per, like perspectives in song mm-hmm. like a lot of them deal with um sort of uh an absent lover or like rejection it um so they're always sort of speaking from this like abject place of like being cast off <laughs> which is like really funny because I think it was very prophetic for her her relationship with my dad and mm-hmm. I wonder like how much of that was like a self-fulfilling prophecy um but I guess it was it was also sort of like a representation of of like feminine um identity for mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. and that's something I naturally clung to so some of these songs for example I would say the one that she likes the most is losing my mind from follies Mm -hmm. And it's like, uh, from the perspective of this woman, well, it's traditionally sung by a woman who is like pacing the floor and like struggling to complete her domestic tasks as her lover's absent. The sun comes up, I think about you. The coffee cup, I think about you. I want you so. It's like I'm losing my mind. Basically, she's like, you said you loved me, or are you just being kind, or am I losing my mind? It's like she's being gaslit by this guy <laughs> and, and singing weir- like wearily about it. Um, and that was like one of my mom's favorites. Like she'll still sing it if I ask her. And then others, um, she was like a huge Barbra Streisand fan. And when I found Funny Girl for the first time and watched it with her, it was like the, it was the the end of anything else. Like I was so obsessed. That was like a pivotal moment in in me just sort of like feeling like I, I needed to do this. Like formative, um, formative moment for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. so that led to you be you know being interested in music and and singing and and uh and and you're working on an album now or or working on some songs now what are you working on yeah so i am working on an album and i started working on it in 2018 um like i i had done like musical theater and chorus and like i was musically active before my undergrad and then I sort of had to make a decision between music and visual art and I figured that I could um grow like incredibly um or sorry I could grow more in like an art school than I could in a music school and I think like maybe that was the right choice because from what I hear from my friends in music school it's like kind of rigorous like you almost have to be like broken down and like remade Um, and a lot of what you're learning is like canonical. So, um, it's not about your expression in like the Western tradition. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously CalArts is like a different case, but, um, or it can be a different case, but like a lot of what you're learning is just like basic skill and then how to apply that toward something professional. And, um, so I think like maybe it's better that I like developed skills in visual art but I always tried to find ways of like bringing music back into my life so ever since 2018 I've I've been trying to um, grow as a producer which is interesting so I think maybe two of these songs on the album that I think are going to make the album I think those are from 2018 um, 
and then like most of them I would say are from like the past like year or so and mm-hmm. there's like a bunch of songs that I've like thrown out because they're not like good enough but <laughs> <laughs> that will be on a future b-sides album or something maybe I kind of like the idea of like growing a culture of music like yeah. you you sort of like um do these experiments you get like recordings mm-hmm. and then later maybe that's a sample you use or I don't know you like um cut up the song and like rewrite the lyrics and like use some I don't know you know it's it sort of like reproduces itself at a certain point absolutely um well on that note uh you've actually picked a musical guest I I did this last time too where I let my guest pick their uh dream musical guest uh to appear quote unquote uh on the show and you have picked uh earth eater Uh, and earth eater is a uh they're based out of pennsylvania and um is the professional name of alexandra druchin and uh this album just came out this is like new right and just came out in like october so here is our first performance from tonight's musical guest, Earth Eater, Diamond in the Bedrock. Thank you. 
it's very coral and very lush while still being kind of pared down. Um, and I know you said this is an electronic artist, and this sounds very different from that. And I know that you and I have talked about uh, spectacle before, and, you know, I guess my question is, in the time of 2020, you know, do you see the compulsion to pull back from a lot of the flourish and a lot of the spectacle because of the spectacle that is already 2020 um, and the apocalypse that is 2020? Uh, do you feel that? Do you feel that that desire to kind of to pare down? Um, maybe. I don't know. I like, I don't necessarily think that the apocalypse is an event. Um, but I think it's more like an attitude that people have, um, cyclically in social contexts. So, um, I don't know. I, I, I do get this feeling now that I'm on this like roller coaster that I can't get off of. Sure. Um, and I notice that that feeling goes away the more I disconnect from technology. Mm. Like the more I'm outside in nature, the more I'm like talking with people. Um, recently, after reading Algorithms of Oppression by Dr. Sophia Umoja-Noble, I became so much more aware of um, like how searching for what you want, um, like based on how you search, like totally changes your um experience in life mm -hmm. so i've been like really focused on trying to find like i don't know the next steps through other people like through the people around me rather than like through social media or like through the internet and like and some of that is it has to be like confirmation uh or like bias questioning right like if i uh, as an example like if i look up uh um webmd you know and i put a bunch of symptoms in there like it's it i have this problem where i look up things on webmd and it's like you you have cancer and you know like it's because of the way that you're searching for something and the way that you're asking the question is like well it, it the assumption is it's going to be bad or like if you search uh anything on the internet of like vaccines, like vaccine ineffectiveness, like, of course, that's going to give you results about vaccine being ineffective. And you know what I mean? Like, there's this bias in the question. And it feels like maybe what you're saying is that of like, when you do a search, when you're searching for something, you kind of have a bias just even in the search, even in the in the in the looking, right? Yeah, yeah, like basically it's it's very easy to like exist in an echo chamber where you're just seeing what you want to see. I mm -hmm. think a lot of people like speak to that now. Um and technology kind of doubles that, right? Technology is is built to like suggestively enhance what you're what you're already doing. And all of our social media and all of our search engines and all of our stuff is like caters to that really well of like, oh, you're looking for this. Well, here's more of that. Here's more and more and more of that. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel very like internally conflicted about technology because on one hand, um, it is, it's made it so much easier to depict things that are inaccurate. Like mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. one thing that I think is like imperative about in-person communication with people is like the fact that 
my library about you is incomplete and always yeah. will be. So mm -hmm. like, I think with the internet, you, you get these oversimplifications of subjects that um, causes like a lot of issues. But then on the other hand, the internet gave me as a queer person, like a lifeline to a community and um, a way for, for advocating for my identity. Mm -hmm. um, and I like my current work, the, this like project with like virtual reality, motion capture, 3D printing and music, it's sort of like using technology and the internet as like a world building um, tool. Like, you know, the power of like suggestion from what I'm doing. I'm like intentionally trying to like carve out like space in the world using that. Um, I think like most things on the internet wouldn't tell you that they're doing that though, when they are. Right. Well, tell us more about that. What are you, you're, you're working on some VR projects. Um... Talk, tell us more about your art and your visual art that you know you're doing kind of in conjunction with the music that you that you produce. So the project I'm basically making these um, like I, they're sort of like music videos I guess for my music, and they all involve like world building as in like I um, I design I three D model and print like physical artifacts that go onto the avatar. I'm using that to make like um, basically like, you know, wearable art that I can then scan back in for my avatar to wear. Mm. Um, and then um, I animate the avatar using motion capture, um, which gives me an opportunity to like work with a choreographer to develop like a system of movement for performance mm -hmm. um which was like a huge issue before i came to school because i start i was like performing at concerts and i did like a festival and like all these experiences i just felt like unprepared i felt like really scared to um present in a way that i never did when it wasn't my work mm. um so just sort of like when you don't have like a, a script or something to go on like like how how can you respond to that so that's that's the benefit of like doing the choreo for this like motion capture. Mm -hmm. um, then there's like the song, I was originally gonna mix it in like 3D space. Um, and then there's like a VR that um, basically just like gives me like a fun opportunity to like create plants and like water and like basically just make like this environment with like lots of detail in it, um, which I think world, is like- World build, like you said, right? Yeah. yeah. I think it's like really restorative because um, I mean, I, I picked all these like natural symbols um, because like that's like a world that's constantly used to negate my identity. Mm -hmm. um, very ignorantly, I might add, <laughs> <laughs> with the total disregard for the actual like information there is to be had about the natural world, whatever that means. But <laughs> well, and I feel like a lot of the discussion, you know, that people have about your work is you know the focused some on on that reformation of identity and that re reclaiming of identity uh or rebuilding of identity in in a new form but you know i think it occurs to me as we have this discussion just now that that it's it's more than that that it's a it's a a, a world building it's like a, a building of an environment to go with that identity 
um, in addition. It's not just making a new identity and planting it in this existence. Uh, your work, I think, is bigger than that and has, has more of an aspiration of, of world building. Would that be correct? I think so. I think like, you know, I, I really like identify with um, some of the, like, uh, some of the tenets of femininity growing up. Like, for example, I was really attached to the idea of having a baby mm. and I don't have a womb. So like, <laughs> I think in some way I'm like sublimating, like the desire to be create, like to be that kind of creative into like this sort of, um, like mode of of like art making mm. and I would say like that's sort of evidenced by like the sound of the music that like specifically this song um that I'm making for like my mid-res which is the VR I'm describing with like the plants and um that is made using like um basically my voice to create um different sounds and like instruments mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I do that a lot like I I I really love like just singing something and like manipulating the the sound and like turning it into like a MIDI instrument or like a texture or something mm. because it's sort of this kind of like I don't know like reproduction or something from my own like body mm -hmm. so I feel like I'm getting like making the plants making the music like just sort of like assembling this whole world it's sort of like almost like a love message to a world that like is often represented as like being um hostile to me and um yeah so I guess I don't know it it's it's come to like me you know I mean I guess like a lot of artists are like making themselves through their art today but like it's definitely a powerful experience for me personally <laughs> absolutely well let's talk more about that here in a second we have to do something we do here on the show and I'll explain to the people listening if you're this is the first time listening to the show and to, uh, to Caleb here we we run vintage advertisements uh, during the show. We are unaffiliated with these actual sponsors, but uh, to give it this mm. vintage homage flair, we run vintage ads. So I think we'll we'll have to take a short break uh, for our sponsor. Uh, we'll be right back after this. The dessert that never stops being different. It's a pudding. It's a pie. It's Jello pudding and pie filling the start of dozens of desserts of your own creation. Here's a lemon meringue pudding, elegant to see and with the same grand flavor you get in lemon meringue pie. Easy directions for making lemon meringue pudding are on the back of the package. After adding sugar, water, and egg yolks to jello lemon pudding, bring it to a rich bubbling boil. It's fragrant with cooked in lemon goodness. Then beat up two egg whites until foamy, add sugar, and beat until peaks form. Now, very slowly, fold in the hot lemon pudding mixture. Mmm, lemon meringue pudding. A new, glamorous, exciting dessert. Your family will enjoy the creamy smoothness of all five flavors. You'll think of dozens of new ways to serve jello pudding and pie filling. The dessert that never stops being different. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Jell-O. Uh, <laughs> so nice of them to sponsor you. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it's big, big brand names here. You know, they're all fighting to get in, get in on this show. Um, <laughs> well, you said something interesting. <laughs> well, and also you're talking about casting these molds and doing all that. Uh, Jello might be appropriate. Uh, as far as, <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh, I love that. 
for casting jello casts so you could do jigglers jello jigglers yes Um, that's very appropriate (laughs) (laughs) well you're talking about doing these like wearables and casting these kind of wearables and molds it occurs to me that there is a parallel with that and fashion and do you do you see yourself aligned with fashion or do you see it as something more prosthetic uh you know where do where do you see yourself kind of and the orientation of the work that you're doing is it more oriented towards the fashion or or more oriented towards the prosthetic or or both i'm gonna say both i mean you know if i were like capable of this i would love to like just wear you know amazing clothing (laughs) (laughs) um I like, I'm really into decoration. I love um, like things that are ornate. Like I just love the level of detail that that somebody put into something and like how meditative that is. Yeah. Um, and also how like, I, I think I just have this sort of natural um, opposition to people who try to like essentialize things into something like easily digestible, mm. um, which is I think a flaw many times, but then also it's like, um, why not? Like, why not have um, complexity? Because generally, if somebody's like telling you a different story, then they're like rejecting um, the reality of like other people's experiences or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm like really um, into that. But as far as like, so I do think of this as like fashion. Um, like, I'm inspired by Iris Van Herpen and um Mugler and uh McQueen all these people I think are working with like new processes for creating um wearable art they're like often influ- getting influence from like the natural world yeah um and then as far as the prosthetics I mean I like I was really thinking about like what does it mean to transition like what does it mean to embody like the po- this the position of like a woman or a man or like a non-binary person and how far do I want to go biologically and how far can I like merely like decorate or you know um frame in a certain way i think like regardless of what you do there are people who will like look at your framing of your identity and like still reject it but like um I think it's like important to myself that I have that like straightforward. Um, like I know how I want to represent myself and who who I am to myself. So um, like there's like varying degrees of like gender, um, like, I don't know, like shift. I don't mm. want to say like any of the buzzwords like reassignment or whatever, but like, sure. you know, you can take like hormones. Um, I could get plastic surgery i could um mm-hmm. you know change like certain things like my diet or like my exercise i could change the clothes mm-hmm. that i wear i could like i don't know like there there's just like all of these like elements that you can play with and um mm-hmm. there's like a politics around like uh, even like internally around like what transness means to trans people so like I think this was sort of an excursion, like a low cost excursion into like how do, or sorry, like a low stakes excursion into like, how do I want to present? And um, also sort of like 
getting to perform like through my avatar like a performance that's just like already done where I can sort of like be the viewer and like sort of see how people respond to like like a feminized me is like um I think really incredible so I don't know I think yeah it sort of is like prosthetic too as well as fashion interesting do you think you know as we've done this retreat into our homes and have been forced to kind of quarantine it occurs to me that there could be that could be liberating in a sense because you're not having to deal with societal uh judgments on you on a day-to-day basis i mean you're you're kind of we're all living in our own little bubbles our own little our own little rooms but at the same time you're talking about the value in performance and the value in being seen and the value in the formation of identity by the reaction of people to you. Um, I mean, I guess, I, I guess my question is, uh, where do you, where do you think the value is most? Do you think it, do you think you get value from outside or do you think that you get value from, from that private space or from internet space? Uh, where, where does the value lie? Um, I think like quarantine has been difficult for, a lot of queer people in that, you know, like, I think the home for a lot of us is like a really difficult place to be. Like I experienced Mm. so much rejection and like violence and just like, um, you know, sadness in the context of like a straight Christian white home. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you live on your own. You live on your own now. I mean, do, you don't experience that in your day life now. No, do you? no, no, no. But I, I just sorry. I was that was just sort of my very like ground statement of like what the home like represents to me. Um, yeah. So yeah. I do think like recently I've been trying to sort of like reclaim the home as my space. Um, yeah. And mm-hmm. it's crazy because, you know, I've I've had friends who like did this just like as a matter of course throughout their life. And it's weird that it took me until like maybe like 22 to like really think about, you know, how that matters. Um, yeah. Like you can't just like work. You need to have like some sort of like um, time to recharge and like, um, you know, focus on yourself. And I don't know, I, I think like, like queer sociality is like really specific and often centered around um, like like certain like businesses or certain events and not yeah. having that is like kind of awful because it means that you're like constantly living in like straight world when you didn't yeah, have to yeah, before. Yeah. Mm. Um, so I think like that's been like a, a tense point. Um, also like a lot of the time I like, I wonder, like, I, I feel like if I'm not, like, doing, um, or if I'm not having, like, queer sex, that I'm, like, am I still queer? <laughs> like, like yeah, 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 it's, yeah. It's so weird, um, and I am, but it's, like, I don't know, it's weird, it's, it's, like, if you don't have these sort of, like, moments of hailing on the regular, I think it can bring up just sort of, um, feelings that, like, aren't necessarily there when you are in person. Yeah, and I think maybe the flaw in my my question there was that the assumption of home and the connotations of that leaving if you 
if you are out of the the home like you're for you does that linger still even though you're not living at home the conservatism do you feel like that follows you even even when you're out of that that space yeah because i think um my experience of rejection um led to this impetus for me to leave the home as much mm -hmm. as possible so sure. i spent like a lot of time with friends i like went out of the state i went on like trips it's like any excuse not to be there was like you know enough for me so i think um that is like this urge that i have to fight even when it's just me like this feeling like that the home is not a place where i'm going to like do something fun or like um feel totally like free to express myself mm -hmm. um but you know i'm i'm like working on that i think your your question though sorry it was long winded for me like responding <laughs> but i think your question was like about performance and like how that relates to like privacy and publicity or and being in public absolutely yeah and so what i'm saying is i guess like there is like queerness within me and that queerness has never felt the need to perform um mm. but i feel like in the context of social life that's where the performance becomes paramount um mm. so there are certain things that i regretfully do not do in quarantine like i don't do my makeup every day i don't mm. shave i don't like i don't know like these things that actually make me feel better i don't always yeah. have like the energy to do when i'm not in front of other people interesting yeah 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 hmm yeah I mean, I, I, to, to the listeners, I, I, I myself also don't shave. I'm very, <laughs> very scruffy here. Um, well, I shaved my face because I could not deal with that. I would feel so dysphoric. Get... Sure, 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 sure. Um, well, let's, we'll talk more about that uh, in a moment, but let's, let's play another song. We're going to do another Earth Eater song. Um, let's do Volcano by Earth Eater.
Some people can fall asleep anytime, any place. But if you can't sleep because of simple nervous tension or daily problems, you need Somonex for natural-like sleep. Somonex is not habit-forming. Take two tablets as directed for 100% safe sleep. Yet be alert to any emergency and wake up thoroughly refreshed. Take Somonex tonight and I really like their branding as natural-like sleep. Not natural <laughs> sleep. Natural-like sleep. Ah, oh, my gosh. I didn't even pick up on that. Well, what's, what's next for, for Caleb? What, what, what do you have coming up? Hmm. Okay, so I'm currently, like, working with a motion capture studio to get mm -hmm. the motion capture data taken. Um, and then, I don't know, I'm, I'm sort of like trying to figure out how much time and resources I'll have access to before I graduate, because that's like less than two semesters away now. Mm -hmm. So I might try and build up like another project before then. Mm -hmm. um, and I've also got to finish this album. I mean, it's been a learning process. Like I, I have my little like recording studio in my closet. Yeah. Uh, where I like record vocals and I've like tried to soundproof it and um, I don't know like I've learned so much more about like uh, music theory from from like a com composition perspective mm -hmm. and um, I'm also like having to learn how to like develop like a style of singing because I was always sort of like a little like mockingbird or something like I would sing other people's styles and just try and replicate that and it's like you know singers give like so much information about how to sing from the way that that they present the song so mm -hmm. you know like the color of somebody's voice actually if you sing it might reveal something about like what's going on in their like actual physiology mm -hmm. like you know maybe they're bringing it further into their like nose or you know, maybe there's like something they're doing with like their breath that causes like a texture and like maybe that serves a function in the song to like, um, I don't know, like there's like so much nuance to how really good singers sing and mm. finding that in my own music is like really hard to do because it, mm. it just takes like a lot of practice. So I don't know. I know that I like that will be part of my um last two semesters here so yeah well and when you do put out an album do you think you know are you gonna perform like earth eater you know is alexandra druchin are you do you have a name or is it gonna be caleb craig i don't know i mean i didn't like i have i don't know like so far it's caleb craig but mm -hmm. i think like recently I talked to people you were there but just for the uh, the people who weren't um, <laughs> I, I talked to people about like um, basically feeling like I wanted to detach myself from certain work and like some work isn't like um, indexical to like Caleb the person mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. but I don't know if it like if it necessarily matters with this project that I use my name because like I'm literally like using avatars 
right. which I think already sort of separates the the characters if yeah. anyone's like critical enough to think about that, which I'm sure they are. Um, I think like I will make more personal work at some point. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I feel like it, like Caleb as a name, like, you know, I never really like identified with masculinity. So I think there was always this sort of like, um, just like offset that I felt from I that mean, Caleb, name. Caleb Craig, like that's too, <laughs> that's a, that's a two for two on, uh, on, on male, quote unquote, male, uh, first names. So does that complicate it for you? And is there a complication there or do you feel, or do you not feel that? I don't know. I can't tell if it's like a complication. Well, okay. I I've never hated my name. Like I've never really had like an issue with it, even if it's not something that, that I identify with. Like I, you know, my favorite color is blue. So I can pick that. I can be like, Oh my God, blue is my favorite color. But like, mm -hmm. I never, you know, I didn't get to pick my name as a child. So like, sure. I was never like, oh my God, I'm Caleb, but like, I don't really care about it. And it could be like an interesting frontier for reclamation because um, getting rid of like gendered names would be like a really good thing absolutely. for the world, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely. I, yeah, I guess I, my question was just that if that, if you feel like that is a hurdle in preconceptions, but it sounds like you kind of uh, like that that hurdle and like deconstructing that hurdle or overcoming that hurdle is that, is that right yeah i mean like i don't want to speak for for like all um like queer or trans people because um you know some people like getting things like names or like pronouns right is just like a matter of safety yeah especially yeah, yeah. if yeah especially if you're going from one side of a binary to another it's like you can become, you know, you could die. Like somebody could kill you for like not passing. So, you know, this is like specific to me, but I like, I, I like having like flexibility in these kind of conversations because I don't want to like alienate people who could, you know, develop like a rapport with me necessarily. Sure. I mean, some people, if they're just like overtly hateful, it's like, what's the point? Um, <laughs> right. They're, yeah. they're lost cause anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But like, you know, for example, um, like friends from my past knew me as like he, mm -hmm. um, and, you know, to some degree, like I embodied certain like parts of masculinity, even if like my very first sort of like underlying identification was with like this other supposed opposite. Um, but that just sort of speaks to like the, the nuance of like, identity formulation in general because everybody has this sort of like counter identification with like what they think they're supposed to be like sure. the the paradigm that's set forth by like adults of whatever gender you're assigned yeah um so you know I don't want to like negate the validity of like who I was then and how I related to people because like everyone should be able to like experience those attributes if they want to. Right. Well, and especially of, as we yeah. talk about avatars and we talk about VR, you know, I mean, the screen name, the notion of the screen name as a, as a new identity um, complicates that I, I imagine with, with performance and with 
performing in, in VR space um, and representation of self in VR space. I mean, I don't, I don't call myself Matthew Pagoga on the internet, uh, you know, in, in VR. Uh, so it's just so complicated of how do you, where is the transition and what do you want out of that transition and what do you, what are you looking for in the transition to virtuality? I um, I think, I mean, like being in VR space, like creates so many, um, like interesting issues around embodiment and subjectivity because mm -hmm. like this is a space where you can basically like perform you know as somebody who you're not so that could be you know like blackface as like an extremely bad example sure or it could be like um the object like another bad example like the objectification of like female avatars in virtual space absolutely um, because of like how sexualized they they often are like I've heard of uh, like girls I know sometimes um, leave like VR space because um, they're just like sexually harassed, even just like as a female avatar. Right. By people. Right. Um, so I don't know. I feel like this work isn't like, I feel like um, it's beneficial to me and I would never sell it as like beneficial to other people. Mm. Um, and I do like run into like questions that are unsettling to me as I do it like for example um one it's like such a privilege for me to have access to this technology right now mm -hmm. and my like path towards transness is like very much one that's like built on white privilege mm -hmm. uh, I, I mean I know I'm like fortunate to know some like really amazing um people working in in this field you know who don't have that like site of subjects of subjectivity um but like i think that's something that that i'm like very aware of especially given that representation has like a proportionate um relationship to violence against trans people yeah um you know when people didn't know who what a trans person was then like you know there was a way of like passing um and then like another thing is is sort of like embodiment loses meaning in, in VR. So often I get asked, like, why aren't you just getting your choreographer to like do the mocap for you? Like, why right. does it have to be you? Mm. And, um, you know, as I said, like, I feel like this like opportunity to like work with um, movement, it's like serving this function of teaching me how to move in real life because, um, you know, it was inappropriate for me to learn feminine movement or mm. like movement that that was more like aligned with who I identified with. Like if I exhibited it, I could be punished for it. So it's sort of this like, um, like forced, like ignorance of something that I feel like within myself. And so I hope to sort of like reclaim that. Um, but then like, I feel like there is something under the surface of the medium that I'm not exploring by not playing with like what shifts like what how the charge of a piece shifts with like different people embodying characters mm. um like before we quit in before we quit school for or in-person school like one of my plans with my professor John Brennan mm -hmm. was like um when I got the VR running um with the mocap then like see what it's like to perform it 
and then like put the headset on and let somebody else perform it to me and like see how that like changes the um the experience Mm. Uh, and hopefully like one day I move on to like less narcissistic work (laughs) (laughs) well (laughs) uh you know probing himself isn't isn't inherently narcissistic I mean well Uh, on that note, <laughs> let's play Caleb's third choice of song uh, from Earth Eater, Faith Consuming Hope. Through the pressure and its face 
Well, I get the feeling we could we could talk for <laughs> several more hours, Caleb. Uh, we'll have to have you back on the show at, at, at a later point. But this has been a fantastic conversation and super interesting. Um, I really look forward to the release of your album and and uh, to you listeners out there. Keep an eye out for the upcoming album from Caleb Craig. <laughs> Thank you. It yeah. was a pleasure. Well, what a fantastic hour this has been. What a fantastic conversation. Thank you to Caleb Craig for appearing as my guest this evening. Uh, thank you to Earth Eater for being the musical guest uh, unknowingly. And I think I'm going to, as I've been doing with the past couple shows, I'm going to let someone else kind of close out our commentary here tonight. And that'll be the conclusion of the show. So good night, everyone. I hope you have a good weekend. Uh, Miss Streisand, take it away. Good night, everyone. Um, I've always been frustrated, you know? Even when I started when I was 18 years old. When you can't do that, you, you can't wear those clothes you're wearing. Why don't you have your nose done? You should change your name. And I just always believed in, in my own truth. I mean, this is who I am, you know? I was born with this nose. My name is Barbara Streisand. Um, I can't change it to Barbara Sands. I couldn't live with myself. Thank you.